thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. And this morning we're talking about promises. So we make promises all the time. So if Tim got me a Marvel tracksuit, I'd wear it. There's a promise. You'll hold me to it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's got to fit me though. Okay, we make promises all the time. But sometimes we break them. Anyone here in the Scouts, the Cubs or the Brownies or the Rainbows or the Girls' Guides? Anyone? Or the, uh, any other things? You know, dib, dib, dib. Dib, 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 dib. Dob, dob, dob. Okay, you in here is the, you, you still in the, you still in the Beavers? Is that right? Or Cubs? Yeah, yeah. Scouts. You're a Scout leader, aren't you? Okay. But I remember making a Scout promise. Yeah? Anyone made the brownie promise or the scout promise? And the scout promise was something along the lines of, we, I also remember actually we stood in the circle at the beginning of every gathering and we all went, Ah, oh, Kayla, we will do our best. And then it was about serving our queen, serving God, serving the queen and our country. And do you know what? I've not always done my best. Not always done my best. Yeah, I promised in that group of people I would always do my best, and I haven't. But not only that, I've never served the Queen. She's never asked me to. (laughs) I don't know what she would like in a coffee or tea. I don't know how she takes her drinks. I've never served the Queen. Or I've never really served my country, because words can be empty, can't they? Yeah? We've all made promises, would you agree? Yeah, we've all made promises. I've taken up contracts for work. Who's, Who's got a contract where they work? (laughs) <laughs> when I was a teacher, yeah. Okay, who's got a contract, yeah? On my contract when I was a school teacher, it said I had to be in no later than 8.30. I had to be in school no later than 8.30. But you know what? There was a time when I got locked in our lounge. And our lounge is on the first floor, and I couldn't get out. So I had to, Ros and the kids were stood on the other side of the glass panels laughing at me, and I'm going... <laughs> I've got to get to work. And Ross said, well, I've got to get the kids to school. So I had to throw their school bags, which were in the lounge, out of the upstairs window. And I'm stood there going, I had to make the phone call to my boss and say, going to be late. And you're not going to believe why. <laughs> it was either that or being stuck by horses on our road. That was another common one. But I broke my promise. But you know what? There wasn't really any repercussions. Because a contract is like that. A contract is like that. Yeah, one of the prayer team, go and pray. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. So we broke our promises. There wasn't any repercussions. But today's mountain message from Jesus moves on to promises. He goes on to talk about promises. If you've looked on the notice sheet, you might think it's been because of, I've, I've had to split this one up. So we are going to go a little bit off kilter in the next few weeks. But again, Jesus in these messages is actually correcting some of the teaching that has been done, yeah? So whenever Jesus is speaking, he's correcting some of the stuff that has been taught. We said last week, didn't we? It says, you have heard it said. 
but I say. So Jesus is correcting things that have been wrongly taught. And remember, the teachers of the law, the religious people, the Pharisees, they were bending the rules to suit themselves. They were bending the rules so that they could see what they could get away with. And they were also making some rules so hard that nobody could match up to them because they wanted to see themselves as really important. Okay? So that was what the promises was about. And the first part of our reading today is a difficult subject to address. Okay? It's a very difficult subject to address, but I want to say this. There is no condemnation for those who love Jesus this morning. There's no condemnation. Sometimes we do have to live with consequences of ours or other people's choices because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that has been damaged by people's choices. It's been damaged by sin and people's will. So as we read this passage, recognize what Jesus is talking about And we'll look at what that is in a moment. There's a context behind it. Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to read the first part of this morning's reading, verses 31 to 37. It has been said, or you have heard it said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I told you it was difficult, didn't I? I told you it wasn't going to be an easy one this morning. But first off, I have to say, it's specifically addressing an issue that has sneaked into God's people's hearts. Remember last week? We talked about murder and lust. Okay? It starts off in your thinking and in your heart. And God wants us to deal with those issues that are deep in our hearts. So first of all, I have to specifically say that. It's important to look at what God's ideal is. God, at the very beginning of everything, his ideal was in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 24. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. First off, that was the first time God said something wasn't good that it's not good for us to be alone. We need community. We need people around us. And in church, that's why we try to have little communities. Stella's starting the group, a little community. House groups, a little community. The prayer groups, a little community of people. 23 to 24 in Genesis chapter 2 says this, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. It's the only time I'm going to talk about united in a positive way. When it's in the Bible, okay? I should have said when we're talking about promises, Jürgen promised that we'd win some titles. So I'm praying that today Aston Villa can do us a favour, but who knows? Whatever happens, whatever happens, happens, okay? Last week, there was a sweepstake on, apparently, of whether I would say Liverpool, and I didn't mention them, so I've got to mention them today. You shouldn't do sweepstakes, that's next week's message. (laughs) Marriage is more than a piece of paper, yeah? A lot of people say, oh, it's just a piece of paper. Biblically, it wasn't. It wasn't even a piece of paper, (laughs) It was a commitment. It was a promise. It was all about a promise. It's a covenant, not a contract. So I could say, what's the difference? We've all got contracts. I've got a contract for my car. So actually, it can be got out of. There's ways of getting out of a contract that suits both sides. Contracts, when I think of contracts, I think of footballers and their agents. 
A contract is where the person looks out for themselves. What can I get out of this? What's the best deal I can find? A contract is all about what is good for them. A contract, I'm going to tell you some differences. Are you ready? Contracts and covenants. So this is biblically spoken. A contract is between two parties, two people. A covenant is between three because God is always involved. A covenant is between three. A contract is all about what we want, our will. A covenant is all about what God wants. In a contract, you serve me. In a covenant, we serve each other. With a contract, performance is recorded. In a covenant, there is no record of wrongs. In a contract, failure is punished. With a covenant, the price has already been paid for failure. In a contract, we win or lose. But in a covenant, it's always a win-win situation if we stay in it. A contract is about a professional relationship. A covenant is about a personal relationship. Okay? Does that make sense? So in the Bible, marriage was a covenant promise. It was one of several covenant promises that were there. And a covenant was crucial. It was not about a contract. It was not about a piece of paper. It was a covenant promise agreed between two people with God at the center. That was what it was about. Okay? And as far as God was concerned, it was about becoming one and staying one. That was God's ideal. Now, I've mentioned this before. But I thought, you know, I'll actually show you. Because sometimes seeing helps us to remember. Okay? So, Joel, come here. Come here, Joel. Come here, son. You're just finishing your notes. That's, a, that's very good. Okay. Come on. You like Amanda Holden on Britain's Got Talent always gets asked up. It's always got to be you. Just roll your sleeve up. Your red buzzer's not working. Okay. So this sticking plaster is meant to stick, okay? So, hold on a minute. Okay, now I don't know how good, I wanted those fabric ones really. So that is pretty secure. And actually that is designed to stick on his arm. I've told you this before. But actually, it wasn't too bad, was it? I can keep trying to stick it on, and already you can see it's starting to... Curl up at the edges. See, the fabric ones are far better. I was going to use some duct tape. Is that better? <laughs> Hold on a minute. Hold on, stay there. <laughs> That's better. That, that was more the reaction I was going for. Come here. Always a bit of a patch there as well. Now, that wasn't as bad a scream as the first one, was it? Yes, well, I've got hairs on my arms. I could keep doing it. So can you see how the pain's getting less? This is an amazing illustration. It doesn't, doesn't cover the emotional doesn't damage. doesn't cover the emotional damage. <laughs> He's not even... Four times, and by the fourth time, he wasn't screaming. I think that's pretty conclusive proof. Thanks, son. Come here, come here. Come here, let me kiss it better. <laughs> okay. But you get the idea. 
The sticking plaster is designed to stick once, to cover the wound, to stay there. And the more we do it, the less effective it is, okay? And so actually, Jesus and God's idea, ideal, was we were to leave father and mother, be united in one flesh for all time. That was the ideal. However, we live in a broken world. We don't always, we can't always cope with our choices. You know, I've got family members who were devastated by people walking out on them. They had no say over, they had no choice. And actually, that wasn't God's plan. That, that unfortunately sometimes comes in situations because we start to look at it as a contract and not a covenant, but also because sometimes we get to know people and, and people aren't always honest. So there were situations, and this is important to stress, where God's law permitted divorce. God's law said it was, it was permitted, it was allowable. It wasn't the ideal, but actually there are situations where we can't live with an abusive situation. We can't live with dishonesty. And actually, it was permitted. But I need to say this, and the reason Jesus talks about this is because the law was there to protect the women. The women were vulnerable and what the law was doing was saying, men, if you divorce your wife, you need to give them this piece of paper, this certificate that proves the divorce so that they can get on with their life, so that they can move forward. Because actually what was happening was this. Or actually before that, the certificate of divorce had to be done with witnesses. Couldn't just be, yeah, off you go. It had to be done in front of witnesses. It had to be done in such a way that it was protective of the female involved, because culture said they were not important at the time. So the law and the rule was there to protect the vulnerable. It had to be for indecency of some sort. But, and this is why Jesus addresses it, the law had started to be abused. Because the men were doing this. They would think, I don't like my wife's cooking. Any men? Not? No, I won't ask that question. Okay, I love my wife's cooking. You're wonderful. Yes, you make a mean roast. And I don't mean mean in terms of average, okay? <laughs> Honest. But they would say, I don't like what she looks like anymore. She's got old. Or they would say, oh, she ceased to entertain me. Or actually, they would get angry and drive them away. Or they would fall for another woman. The lust would come into their hearts and they would start looking for a younger model. And that's what was happening. So what was going on was these men were basically saying, here's a certificate of divorce gone, or they weren't issuing them. But they were saying, I can get divorced for any reason. Absolutely any reason. How I feel on the day. That's what was going on. And they would drive the women away, but then claim to still be married to save face because there was a shame involved. So these men were protecting themselves and abusing the women. And do you know what? The Bible regularly is radical. In the culture it was in, Jesus honours women. You know, the Bible honours women. You can take a thing out of context and say, oh, there's this. But actually, Jesus chose women to be among his inner circle. Mary sat at his feet. That was the place of the important student. But a certificate of divorce meant that the woman was protected and could only be taken as solemnly as the marriage started. That was the rule. It had to be taken solemnly, just like it began. But as a result, women were being mistreated. Women were being trapped in loveless marriages. They were being unable to move on because they weren't being given these certificates and probably ending up in poverty 
because there would be no provision without their husband. So that's where Jesus was speaking up. This is wrong. Women were being discarded because men didn't like their hair or because maybe they snored. And that was never what it was about. The seriousness of marriage was emphasized. But the law allowed it to happen. So this is what they were doing. Because the law allowed it, they were saying, well, we must do it. If the law says we must, there's permission for divorce, that means we have to do it because the law says so. So men were using and twisting and tweaking. Do you see what they were doing? And now you might sit here thinking, well, why has this got to do with me? I'm happily married or I'm single. It means that actually we are all prone to bend the rules to break our promises. And actually Jesus says, no, we need to keep our word. Our word needs to be faithful. They were teaching because it was something that was done, they should do it. Divorce does happen, but it wasn't part of the original plan. Marriage was meant to be for life, and it was meant for us to reflect God's love to each other, yeah? Marriage was about us showing a picture of God's love. In fact, actually, marriage became, or marriage was about showing God's love for everybody. Because do you know what? Marriage teaches patience. Does. Marriage teaches Perseverance. It's the married people that are laughing. Okay? Oh, yeah. Marriage teaches what God's character is. If you think about the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Marriage was designed to teach all of those things because we're meant to display God's love. However, we're human and we're not always right. We're not always good at getting those things right. Marriage became simply about satisfying the man's wants and needs. It became simply about satisfying the man's lust. It came simply about the man's wish for power. So easy way outs were being found. And you know, breaking a covenant is not easy as breaking a contract because there will always be some pain and cost. And yet when we look at society today... Our society is heading the same way to this, yeah? Now there's a, 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 there's a rule that's basically saying you don't have to give reasons for a divorce anymore. It can simply be, you know, people use the phrase, I fell in and fell out of love. <laughs> Actually, love is an, an action word. It's, it's something that takes doing. There are quickie divorces. There are online divorces. What does Jesus do? He goes back to the beginning to explain God's best. Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 9, some Pharisees came to him and said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus said, what did Moses command you? He replied, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Moses said, Jesus said this, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus taught the right model. But obviously, something that he's torn apart will always bring some pain, won't it, Joel? Yeah. Something that is torn apart will always bring some pain and some loss. Whatever side of the coin you're on, there will be pain. There will be cost. If you ask anybody who's been through those situations, even in the hardest of of most difficult of relationships, there will be pain and cost. It's not that simple. There will be loss. There will be difficulty. 
So Jesus comes to these teachers who were doing it wrong and raises the standard and says, if you want to be righteous and self-righteous, then you've got to be this good. That's what he's saying. If you want to be doing it by your own works and your own efforts, you've got to be this good. And actually, none of us can match up to it. But we can. Because Jesus paid the price. With a covenant, failure is already covered by the price that was paid. Yeah? Failure in our terms. And actually, God... Jesus, sorry, does this to stop the injustice that's happening, to stop women being mistreated and cast aside, to stop people from being disposable. You know, because God says, I love you. You're not a throwaway. You're not a rejected. You're not a rejection. You're not somebody who needs to be cast out. You're somebody who needs to be welcomed in. And he says that to every single one of us this morning. And that's what Jesus is saying. People are precious. People are precious. Let our promises be yes and amen. Nothing puts us outside the love of God. Do you know that? Nothing, I'll repeat it again, listen carefully. Nothing you could ever do or have ever done can put you outside the love of God. I'll repeat it again. Nothing, not one thing you could ever do or have done can put you outside of the love of God. However, we will carry bruises and scars from the things we do. We will carry marks from choices we make or even other people make. So that was the tricky bit. <laughs> hopefully, it makes some sense. And hopefully, you recognize that God's love is for people. But then he goes on to say this. Again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black, or even exist. <laughs> that was me, that was my paraphrase, sorry. That's not in the Bible, okay? All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything else comes from the evil one. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Again, Jesus is dealing with wrong teaching and talking about promises. Do you know, loopholes can always be found in the law, can't they? Yeah? Anyone here? For, oh, we've got, I should, Nathan, I should have asked you for some examples, shouldn't I? We've got a lawyer in our midst here who could probably tell me a few loopholes. And this week, we've seen a, a ridiculous trial in the press, yeah? I don't know if anyone's particularly followed it, but the Wagatha Christie file trial even. Anyone been keen watching observers of this? No? No? I've not really been a keen observer, but the thing that strikes me is it's ridiculous. But the person who's actually brought the trial is the person who seemingly has done all the things they said they've done. But whatever the outcome in that trial, the solicitors will be looking to try and find a loophole to get their client off or to help their client to win. They'll use legal jargon. Nobody else understands. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. And they'll use loopholes to get their clients off the hooks. I once heard, I don't know if it's true now, and I don't take my word for this, but a friend of mine who was a solicitor, when the yellow average speed cameras, you know the yellow average speed cameras on the motorway, apparently... For a very, very, very long time, there were no successful prosecutions of anybody caught speeding. Now, as I say, 
that's not true anymore, so don't go. Johnny says, I can go as fast as I want on this motorway because that's not true. But for a time, a friend of mine said, there's not been any successful prosecutions because it's so difficult to track. However, technology's improved, and I'm guessing that that's been sorted. So don't do it because the law says you should follow the law. Another time I was told that a friend of ours, who again was a solicitor, got off with a speeding fine because the, there was only one officer present. So nobody could back him up. And so he successfully argued that this officer on his own couldn't say that he was speeding, even though he had a speed gun. Again, don't try it. You know, as Anton Deck would say, don't try this at home, okay? I could also remember, um, <laughs> no, I won't go with that one. I can't remember what it is now. It came to my mind. It's nothing to do with me. I've never been caught. I mean, I've never sped. So, okay. But actually, the law says we shouldn't do it. And this is what was happening here. There were many different things being sworn. There was a whole load of oaths that were permitted. There was a whole load of promises that the teachers of the law and the religious people were saying, you can do this. And actually, God won't mind if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're telling a lie. So, so long as you don't swear by God himself, if, as long as you don't swear by, if you swear by the country or by the city, then actually you can just tell a lie and it won't matter. That's what they were teaching. That if you swear by these different things, if you swear by these promises, you can get away with it. So the teachers of the law were effectively solicitors of the time, I think. <laughs> I shouldn't offend them. That's not true. It got to a point where people didn't know who was being honest, even in the religious circles. You could not trust what somebody was saying. You know, I've heard many people over the years saying, I swear on my nana's life, or I swear on my children. I swear what I'm saying is true. And actually, quite often it turns out that they were just saying that to try and twist my arm. And actually, they were just using anything they could to say, I'm telling the truth, when actually they weren't. Very similar circumstances. But do you know, these people weren't violating the law, but they could be violating relationships and violating friendships. You know, there's a song, your lips are, I know you're lying because your lips are moving. That's the sort of people that Jesus was talking to, that even when they spoke even in the synagogues, they were saying, you couldn't trust what they says. So Jesus says in this instance, stop it. Because honesty is vital in community. Honesty is vital in community. His promise, his, his word is true. And as we come into land, we recognize that when you promise, you need to let people know that you're a person of integrity. If you are promising things and then you don't deliver, it erodes trust. When you say something is true and it doesn't happen, then all these things diminish. Do you know, there's two areas that Jesus addresses where there's promises. And it's a hard, hard listen maybe this morning. It's a lot of information to take in. You might be thinking, oh, this is really encouraging for a Sunday morning. But I want to finish with this. We can trust God. His promises are yes and amen. His promises are true. He is a God who has never let down. 
He is a God who has always said it as it is, and he's a God who is faithful each and every day. And Joe Jesus, Jesus was broken on a cross, so he didn't break his promise. His promise was to love the whole world, and he did that by dying for us. He did that by being the sacrifice for our sin. He did that by paying the price because a covenant says where there's failure, the price has been paid. And God's covenant with you today is that he wants to be with you now and forever and that Jesus paid the price and that you can have a life that is free. We've sung about it. That is the promise of God. We need to be excited by it. Because he doesn't break his promise. But we live, the problem is, and Jesus was trying to address this, we live in a world where people are regularly breaking the promise. So we stop trusting. And as a result, we probably stop trusting God because of people's broken promises. So this morning, I finish with this. Jesus was broken on a cross for you and for me so that he didn't break his promise. His promise was of life to the full. His promise was of a new creation in you. His promise was that the past is erased. His promise is that the future is fulfilled. His promise is you have a hope that is certain. But you just need to accept it. You just need to come and say yes I want to seize hold of that promise. I want to sit at the foot of the cross and say, I'm sorry, and walk forwards from there. Because his promises are yes and amen. He says, you are loved. He says, I'll be with you. He says, you don't need to fear. He says, my promises are yes and amen, and my mercies are new every day. So what's it going to be? When we see the world of broken promises, do we give up? Or do we say, I'm going to trust and stand on the rock that is Jesus? Let's pray.